Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to talk defensive review. The All-22 is here quick. It's here the day after for uh, for us lucky folks here at the OBR. And I think it's worth waiting a day to provide those insights. I know I try to give you those immediate reaction insights uh, that are that are really not based on a ton of study, a real rewatch yet. Those are just initial thoughts. And then we come back and we discuss the things that we can actually decipher from the film. So I think there's a lot of value to that, to, to really get a second watch. And when you get the All-22 as quick as we are now, uh, luckily again, then we can have really good insight. So the Browns' defense holds the Giants to 308 yards. They did give up 120 rushing yards. They did cut down pass yards allowed to 188 and created a turnover for six punts, which is encouraging. How the Giants to 5 of 13 on third down, also encouraging. Leader in tackles, Elijah Lee. We'll go through position groups here in a minute. Elijah Lee had 9. Javante Moffat had 6. Malcolm Smith had 6. Willie Harvey had 6. Malik McDowell had 5. He had a sack. Jordan Elliott had a sack. The interception was by Richard LeCount. And that's really about <laughs> as surface level statistically as it gets. We're going to use pro football focus to dive into the numbers, the metrics. I think it's important to look at these things from their grade point of view and then talk about some of the things that I liked about players or did not like about players. So what I noticed is that there was a lot of matching personnel in week one. Anytime the Jaguars came out in 11 personnel, the Browns matched it with nickel. They played Keandre Thomas a lot. Felt good about him. He obviously gets hurt after that first game. They played Troy Hill a little bit in the second game, but they really didn't want to play a ton of nickel, and they played a lot of three linebackers. I don't have the exact number of three linebacker sets that they played, but it was a significant amount. They did not care or worry all too much about matching personnel. They just, they're at the point now, and especially on offense too, which we'll talk about tomorrow, where they're kind of trying to get through their depth just to carry them through these preseason games because they're nervous about some of these things and players getting hurt. Uh, their depth guys have started to, like I said, lose key players at key positions. Even the Giants, I put up on my Twitter feed, they had a wide receiver playing corner into the, late into the fourth quarter. It's kind of crazy. He's wearing number 83, stood out like a sore thumb. Teams are just trying to get through these games, evaluate players as best they can. And uh, I thought that the Browns went even more vanilla this week than they did last week is again the linebacker group is hurting but they're really hurting on the in, inside you know nickel defender position too yeah you know, they played greg newsome some there as the game wore on but they really didn't want to play uh, I, I should say really right before half for greg newsome he played some nickel snaps he did not play into the second half but they don't they don't have a ton of guys to play the say the, the safety rooms are i should say singular the safety room is beat up so they only could play three safeties all game. The only two safeties that, I mean, they're labeling pro football focus. Montreal Meander is a safety, but he's really playing linebacker for them. 
Uh, Richard LeCount and Elijah Benton playing a good amount of snaps. And then Javante Moffitt, again, played 40 snaps. So they're playing those three. None of those three will really see significant game time outside of injuries between John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison. Maybe Grant Delpit gets back. We heard an update about him potentially progressing. We'll see. But that's the extent of the safety room. You know, if you're looking at corners, Greedy played. Robert Jackson played 23 snaps. Greedy only played 10 Robert Jackson only played 23. Other side, Greg Newsom played 26, and that includes his snaps in the slot. A.J. Green played 30, and then Brian Allen, who had a pretty poor game in coverage with the 36.7 metric, he allowed five catches on five targets, 63 yards. He was the guy getting picked on in this game. He played 43 snaps. Again, they're just trying to limp through the game. That's the <laughs> the depth is being challenged. Like the frontline guys who aren't playing in games obviously aren't getting injured. It's the depth that is starting to become challenged. And even on the offensive line, again, we'll talk about tomorrow how the offense shook out, but they're just trying to, they're trying to field an 11 guy team. And a lot of these guys are playing more snaps than maybe they're accustomed to playing in preseason games as they've been fighting, you know, for roster spots years before or whatever. So let's go through position by position. I'm going to kind of update you on where I think some of these guys are on the 53, talk through some of those things uh, there, but there really aren't any other notes I thought the pass rush, we'll start with the D-line. The pass rush discipline was a bit of a problem for me. A couple times they were in twist stunts, thought they got confused about who had contained. There was some late twists that happened where a guy's shooting inside. I almost feel like there's a little bit of freelancing going on there, which I don't love. Uh, I, I don't love it at all, but I think that can come with more reps for these younger guys. They can get better. So, again... Just some things I picked up on, a couple scrambles that were ha- that, that took place a couple times. Guys from the three-tech and shade rushed in toward the A-gap, ran into each other, which is obviously not what you want for giving quarterbacks passing windows. Things like that happened four or five times. But there was enough good from the defensive line that I, I came out of this game feeling better than I did the first game. Talk about defensive ends. Cameron Malvo played 29 snaps. He graded a 60.6. He got no pressures. I did not really notice him much. He continues to be simply a bull rush guy. I do not like uh, I do not like him currently to, to find a roster spot. Uh, Joe Jackson played 39 snaps, 16 in the uh, run defense side, 23 pass rush side, 71.1 overall defensive grade. He rushed a 63.3 clip where he got two quarterback hurries uh, and then a 68.9 run defense grade. He had one tackle. I think... I think Joe Jackson's raw. I'm not sure if he's ever going to tick up a level to being a true rotational guy, but he's currently with the with the situation with Tack McKinley looking like a guy who will be rostered. Okay? Romeo McKnight is a young guy, flashed some nice effort plays. He has a couple little moves in his repertoire. He didn't get any pressures, but he did have two tackles. Um, 66.6 overall grade, 72.9 in run. Didn't play any early snaps, really. Nothing really truly meaningful. But I think he's got something there that could be developed and honed uh, over time if he keeps his uh, himself active on the practice squad. I like Romeo McKnight uh, a little bit for that role if they can keep him around. He plays hard. Curtis Weaver, 67.9 defense total grade, 69.1 in the pass. Or sorry, run defense side, pass rush 60.1. He had two, uh, two total impact plays, pressure plays. He had a hit and a hurry. Again, he's not going to win to the high side. He's not winning with speed enough, and I don't think he has a refined pass rush approach. So the lack of explosion, some of those things that I think stand out on tape from his college days, 
I just don't love some of the way he plays the position. I don't see a way that he's going to consistently get pressure on the quarterback or even to the sense that I feel great about keeping him around. Like, I'm just not sure he's going to develop any explosion over time, a quickness, a burst off the football. I don't know if that's going to come for him. I don't see enough right now that makes me want to keep him around. Maybe you can cut him, get him on the practice squad, keep developing him. I think he's got to lean up a little bit, personally. That's just me. But those are the only four defensive ends that saw time. Porter Gustin obviously did not play. So we talk defensive tackles now. Malik McDowell's the guy who stands out. 25 snaps, 10 in the run defense, 15 pass rush, a 91.7 grade, 87.5 pass rush mark. Two total pressures, one sack, one hit. Uh, on the quarterback, he changed a play on an RPO-looking scheme, or just a. It could have been a simple play action uh, play as well. They had three tackles, two assisted tackles. I thought he was effective both phases. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, I thought he plays. What what happens is there are guys up front right now. I'm looking at the two young guys specifically who got a lot of snaps. Marvin Wilson and Tommy Togiai, 18 snaps for Wilson, uh, 12 or sorry, 28 snaps for Togiai, 46.7 run defense grade or total defense grade for Togiai, 30.2 Marvin Wilson grade in his 18 snaps. Both guys 51.0 and 53.6 uh, pass rush grades respectively. They don't. They don't use any refined approach to going after the quarterback. What's what I see are two guys who played at the college level and could overpower college, uh, college level offensive linemen, and didn't have to always go after things with a great approach: hand combat, swim, um, club rip, uh, spin move, uh, whatever. There's no quality approach to those two they think that they can just get by with what worked at the lower levels and they're just leaning on people like i watched tommy togi i really rush with no sense of urgency and i'm worried about it because i don't see anything that makes me think okay i see how this guy wins at the nfl level he's not that big he doesn't he doesn't have a great refined approach to going after the quarterback, whatever move he wants to try. I'm not even seeing an effort from a move. I'm not even seeing swipe. I'm not seeing any of that. And that makes me very nervous about Togiai. I mean, Marvin Wilson, you're taking a shot on as it is, and there's a flash here and there, but Togiai is a guy that's making me really uneasy. He's just sort of like, he he's like, they're both peeking into the backfield, like trying to watch the quarterback to, to bat the ball down, but they're never really determining, this is a move I can beat my man with, I'm going to give this move a go and see where it's at. Like, there's none of that. They're just almost stalking into the, into the guy trying to block them, 
and not making any effort to disconnect and create pressure. It's concerning. I really like the way Jordan Elliott played. Thought he had one of his better overall games in the NFL period. 79.3 total grade, 67.6 in the run defense side of things, 76.6 pass rush grade, second highest pass rush grade behind McDowell, who we'll come back to in a minute. He had four pressures leading the team on the day. He had a sack, a hit, and two hurries. He had uh, one stop play. His one tackle was the sack. I really thought I saw him. A thing that Jordan Elliott has mentioned this offseason is that he he doesn't feel like he's good enough at pass rush yet. But I see him actually trying to manipulate angles, closing space, creating uh, some skinny plays where he beats somebody through a gap. I saw a couple hand moves on a spin. He had a really nice spin move late in the game. Like Those are actual plays that make me think this guy could he could do something. He could get comfortable and, and handle something. Uh, uh, handle a realistic role and go out in 30 snaps and, and be a guy who can make a play or two. Like that's what I wanted to see from him last year. I didn't see enough of it. I actually saw real difference making effort in, in, in moves and, and how he was able to manipulate the offensive lineman trying to block him. Like if you watched Marvin Wilson, Tommy Togia next to each other and then watch McDowell and Jordan Elliott, you're like, okay, that's a completely different, look like those guys are playing different football like mcdowell does a great job of closing space knocking hands off using the club he has a nice uh, nice swim move those are the things you need to see how are you going to be able to beat somebody in close space you can't just lean into them you can't just try to bull rush everybody what is your actual approach like i like how malik mcdowell even in his size which is which is huge can get skinny can fight through gaps i actually saw him split a double team which was phenomenal. Like these are actual defensive line plays. These are how you win at the point of attack. So I liked what I saw from McDowell. I liked what I saw from Elliott. Andrew Billings only played 11 snaps, six on the run side, five on the pass side. Didn't, didn't produce anything. He, I need him to anchor better. That's all I'm going to say. He's got to anchor better. I need to see him when he gets more than 10 snaps. He's had 10 snaps in some of these games. Feels like the coaching staff's just trying to keep him in shape keep him ready to go because he came in so out of shape for OTAs. They don't want to give him a game off, which is understandable. Um, otherwise, a nice play from Sheldon Day. He had a stop tackle there where he beat uh, – they tried to run a backside pull scheme. I think it was just power, and the backside tackle did not anchor inside enough, and he shot down the line from the three-tech and beat the tackle, trying to fight inside to get him. He made a nice tackle. Tackle for loss, 64.6 grade. He played 11 snaps. I think Sheldon Day's on the inside of this thing. Like, if I had to guess right now – uh, again, defensive line, if we're keeping four, say you're keeping four defensive ends, five defensive tackles, you're keeping the big two to, uh, uh, you know, Miles Garrett, GW and Clowney, you're keeping Porter Gustin as one of your ends right now. And then I'm probably keeping Joe Jackson. Now, again, Tack McKinley comes back. It bumps Joe Jackson out, in my opinion. And, you know, you could take, pick your flavor there, Joe Jackson or Porter Gustin, but I would lean Porter Gustin. Um, if you're keeping five, I kind of laid that out for you there. If you're keeping five defensive tackles, you're keeping Malik Jackson, you're keeping Andrew Billings, you're keeping Sheldon Day, you're keeping Jordan Elliott, you're keeping Malik McDowell. If they cut one out, it's probably going to come down to a Sheldon Day or Malik McDowell discussion because Jordan Elliott's a third-round pick the year before, and what I saw from him in the Giants game was a flash of, okay, I see how this guy, like how this guy can be a decent player in a rotational edge or sorry, the rotation among your defensive tackles. That was what I've been wanting to see badly. I finally saw it. So, again, not world-beating performances, but Malik McDowell, when he came in and played in spurts, 
I need to see Malik play against ones in Atlanta. That would help me out a lot with that evaluation, but he's in the conversation. You can see that this guy was clearly talented enough to be taken in the second round. So he has a real opportunity to make an NFL roster if he performs well in Atlanta and keeps practicing and stays healthy throughout the rest of camp. So take that for what it's worth. That's where I'm at right now. Marvin Wilson, Tommy Togiai, I don't know how they keep him. Togiai is a fourth-round pick. I mean, I don't know. Can they get creative with the IR? Can they do something to keep him around and almost pseudo-redshirt him? I, I'm not sure, but what I've not, I have not seen enough from Tommy Togiai that can justify me playing him on Sundays a meaningful snap. So, again, take that for what it's worth. Linebacker play. Let's talk about linebackers real quick. Um, JOK played 15 snaps. Did not think he played as well as he did the first week. A lot of snaps inside the box. Uh, they, they challenged Cleveland in the run game. He missed a tackle. Thought he was a little slow pr- uh, processing things happening in front of him. I didn't think this was a really bad game. He just he just was a beat, le- a beat late, and I think that's going to happen to a rookie every now and again. He had a 48.6 grade, uh, 64.6 coverage mark. He's still playing fast. I think he'll be fine. Like Again, if you thought he was going to go through the season without making mistakes, I think that's silly of you to think that. He played only 15 snaps, clearly keeping him healthy. He's going to be the will. He's going to rotate at will with Malcolm Smith, in my opinion. Malcolm Smith played 16 snaps, had a great game, four tackles, two assisted tackles, had a 66.7 overall grade, 68.7 run defense grade, 53.1 in coverage. You know, between Malcolm Smith and Willie Harvey, who played late at that position, they gave up, uh, I think, eight catches on nine targets. But those are zone coverage. Sawfield depends on down and distance situation, things like that. I thought Willie Harvey was fine in his 30 snaps. Uh, again, a guy who I like, who's just a depth player who could come on the field in a pinch and I wouldn't feel terrible. He's undersized, doesn't move really quickly compared to his counterparts, but again, a good enough serviceable player. And especially when they need people at these positions that know the defense, the way he did playing in it last year, that's beneficial. Um, Mac Wilson and Elijah Lee, they have labeled as the Mike playing. I thought, I thought I saw Malcolm Smith playing a lot of Mike, but again, this is what Pro Football Focus labels it as. Mac Wilson plays 27 snaps. Thought he played some snaps at Sam for Taki Taki as well. 60.3 grade, 51.0 run defense. He tackled pretty well. He ended up with one. He did actually did not get he got credited for one tackle. He had a 67.7 coverage grade. Elijah Lee, who I thought played really well to the point that if they're going to keep, you know, they're going to keep Walker, they're going to keep. JOK, they're going to keep Malcolm Smith, Taki Taki if he's healthy. Your fifth linebacker is either Mac Wilson or Elijah Lee, and I thought Elijah Lee played really well. 56 snaps, 22 run defense snaps, 31 coverage snaps. He had a 69.1 defense total grade, 84.2 tackle mark, 61.6 in the run game, 70.0 in coverage, six tackles, four assisted tackles, and four stop tackles, meaning plays that constitute a failure for the uh for the offense. So I thought he played well to the point that now it's like a preseason three battle for that fifth linebacker spot between Lee and Wilson. I know Wilson's got a little bit more being drafted by the team. It's got a little bit more of that background that, that plays into some of these decisions, but I liked Elijah Lee. I think he plays a really sound linebacker, man. He's not going to overwhelm you with any sort of athletic traits, but he seems to be in the right position. A lot of times seems to understand what Joe Woods wants from the position. Thought he played pretty well. So Take that for what it's worth. I think that that battle is the only battle that's really remaining at that position. If Jacob Phillips had been in, uh, obviously able to to remain healthy and with the team, it would have made a decision pretty obvious that those two would be on the outside looking in. But they could keep six. We'll just have to see. 
Cornerback play. Greedy played 10. I thought he got beat on the first drive. They threw a fade ball to David Sills down the left sideline. I thought he got beat on that. Didn't close at the at the top of the route on that fade. If it was an accurate ball, it would have been caught. He cannot let that happen. He had a 44.9 total grade with a 40.1 in coverage. Uh, again, I think they graded that the same way I did, which in just 10 snaps is going to impact your score. Troy Hill only played eight snaps, 41.8 grade total, 26.0 tackle. He ended up missing a tackle. So that obviously helps, or sorry, hurts you significantly. I'm not going to take much away from eight snaps uh, from from Troy Hill. Uh, otherwise, uh, cornerback play, I, I really think it's Greg Newsom is your guy. He's going to be your starter. I just kind of think he's bumped forward there, obviously, because Greedy left with another groin issue. Greedy's going to be a depth guy that if they can get something out of, great. But Greg Newsom's got to be on the field. Really sound game, 26 snaps again, spent some time in the slot. 70.7 grade, 62.6 in run game. There was a duo scheme where he had to step up and make a tackle at the line of scrimmage. Thought he did a good job of running through the legs. 70.8 in coverage. He was not thrown at the entire game, no matter where he was aligned. No targets in his direction. Thought he played pretty well. I like him. Continue to like him. Continue to hear great things. A.J. Green was targeted two times where he allowed three, uh, sorry, three times where he allowed two catches for 10 yards. think he's Got the best click and close of the, the fringe corners. He's the fifth guy for me. I think he can be an outside corner for you. Step up and play. 69.3 total grade. 65.9 run defense. 67.8 in coverage. He had one stop tackle as well. Uh, I think he's he's clearly the fifth corner for me. Because Brian Allen, who I mentioned earlier, did not play very well. 43 snaps, a 45.7 total grade. 36.7 in coverage. Gave up five catches on five targets. And then um, uh, missing one player here. Who am I missing? Robert Jackson, 23 snaps, 50.8 grade, 56.4 coverage grade. Continue to think Robert Jackson is not an NFL quality player for this current Browns team. And you kind of project it towards the future too. So take that for what it's worth. I think your five corners, as I sit here today, you're obviously Denzel, Greg Newsom, Greedy Williams, Troy Hill, A.J. Green, you could practice squad Emmanuel Ragumba. He had 21 snaps. He had 68.8 total grade, 69.0 coverage grade, two targets, zero catches. I think he can be a nice practice squad player if you need to move a guy up or down. We'll see what happens there. And then, um, you know, if, if Keandre Thomas can come back, there might be a discussion about him being activated and put on the practice squad too. Montreal Meander, another guy I should mention from the linebacker group. He's kind of a hybrid ruptures his Achilles late in that game and it just reminds you the football is a brutal business a guy who was just cut brought back knows the team he's kind of trying out for the rest of the lead to get a chance and and then and then that happens really really tough for him man uh safeties I mean Javante Moffitt has kind of put himself in the discussion for a guy who just needs to be on the roster I mean he played 40 snaps 68.6 defense grade he plays pretty sound football he's where he needs to be he tackles well. He had five tackles. He can play in the box. 81.7 tackle grade, 66.4 in coverage. I have in my notes, I just I see a sound football player. We keep talking about the big three safeties with Delpin included and Ronnie and and John Johnson, but like like if you don't want to keep an extra linebacker, Moffitt is your fourth or fifth, keeping five safeties, keeping LeCount, who was not quite as effective as far as game-changing types of plays. He only graded out a 44.4 or 44.0 in coverage. I thought they gave him three targets, three catches was a little uh, a little favorable to, to some other people that I thought broke down in coverage. I thought LeCount was fine. Uh, his 
tackle grade. He had four tackles, 65.8 run game. I think that you could keep, in my opinion, Richard LeCount, and you could keep Javante Moffitt and feel plenty fine about it. You know, I just think that that's a very realistic outcome. And then you could keep Elijah Benton, who's been around now for a while, 33 snaps, decent player in, in very specific free safety situations, put him on the practice squad, a guy who's familiar with the defense. So that's a little bit of where I'm at with everything collectively on the defense, kind of where I thought players played, how they played. We need to see some of the guys who are going to get actual snaps in games that mean something. Uh, this this uh, upcoming Sunday to get a feel for like where's Malik Jackson where are the two big name defensive ends can we see Denzel I I mean the Chiefs are playing everybody like I watched the Chiefs play the the Cardinals and that first half looked like they were ready to roll right now everybody's playing so the Browns need to get prepared they really need to get prepared and I hope we see some of these guys for a quarter maybe uh, maybe even a little bit more to just get a feel for where everybody is, but still also figure out the end of the linebacker position battle, the defensive tackles, Malik McDowell getting a real shot with snaps that matter. Can A.J. Green play some snaps that matter to prove he can be the fifth corner? Can Greg Newsom keep separating himself from Greedy? Can J.O.K. have a bounce-back game? That's where I'm at with the defense right now. We'll touch on special teams more at the end of camp to feel out who's going to be playing where on special teams, but we'll have a write-up tomorrow in... The, uh, the OBR, my, my notes and takeaways, I have kind of a bunch of things laid out and some all-22 film clips for you to show you as well, which are pretty rare in the Cleveland market right now. Not many people coming up with those. So you'll have those for you OBR subs have that back up some of my takeaways and stuff. So this is, like I said, pretty bo- is a pretty boring game defensively, which is good sometimes. I mean, you know, nothing crazy. They weren't doing anything crazy schematically. A couple flash plays here and there, but really just like solid defensive football being where you're supposed to be making the player supposed to play um and that's kind of leads to boring results and not a ton of things to talk about but i was really encouraged by the defensive line the interior elliot and mcdowell kind of making a big jump and and that to me means a lot because they need some guys to establish themselves in those roles so we'll see if that carries over into next week uh, if you have any questions, fire them away at the OBR, ask the insider section. I'll be willing to answer any of them you have that specifically pertain to the All-22 takeaways. I'll be there to answer them. The Twitch show, I'll have a Chalk Talk session up tomorrow night. I'm not totally sure which direction I'm going with that Chalk Talk session, but you'll have an advertisement throughout the day. Make sure you're subscribing to that Twitch channel. We're doing a ton of fun stuff. we got a roundtable coming up Friday. We have... Uh, our pregame and postgame show, which are our hallmark. We're going to be doing so many fun things on that pre- and postgame show to make it worth your time. Join us at the OBR Twitch ASAP. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for listening to this pod. If you have any defensive questions, like I said, fire them to me at the Ask the Insider section at the OBR. More than willing to answer them there for any of you subscribers. Thanks again for downloading and subscribing to this podcast and sharing it because it's doing great. The numbers are off the charts this month, and that's because of you guys. Thanks again for that. Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday, and go Browns. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 